What's it like in the music industry, though? The biggest struggle I had here was not even even being an immigrant, but being a woman. You always kind of have to have a man by your side. Your manager, maybe, or your booker. Someone has to be a man. I was so in love with the whole career and the idea of being a supermodel that I remember just getting home from the castings. And they said, no one liked you because you're too fat. Music saved my life because I had a massive break, mental breakdown. And I really thought about you know, harming myself. I'm not gonna harm myself, no. I'm gonna write about it. Welcome to Inspired By, the show that brings you inspiring stories from inspiring entrepreneurs with a twist. Now, I believe that every successful entrepreneur and celebrity on this planet has an inspiring story, and they have stories that they haven't yet told. Not because they don't want to tell the story, but because they haven't been asked the right questions. So my job on the show is to ask the real questions so that you get the real answers. Now, with that in mind, let's get started. Savvy, welcome to the Inspired by Show. Oh my God. Thank you. I have to say, I'm so excited to be here talking to you today. You're excited. I feel yes. like we've had this plan for so long. Isn't like, it? <laughs> we spoke a while ago about you coming on the show and here we are, New Year, really looking forward to interviewing you. So, so obviously many of us know you as a singer and you've been an incredible singer for much of your career. I'm curious for you though, what's got you into singing? Where did that come from? Have you always wanted to be a singer? Yeah, well... I think in the back of my, in the core of myself, I always wanted to be a singer because my mom's a professional singer. So I was born in the middle of it, like happening. So I couldn't really run away from it much. Mm. But I started my career, my whole, let's say my, my artistic career, being a model. So I was a model, I was a professional model for a couple of years, mm. more than half a decade for sure something like that and it was what I loved I was obsessed with modeling and acting but because my mom was always in the back of my head like you know I mean three years old me would be running around the house gathering all of my toys and my mom and my grandmother putting everybody sitting down to see a whole you know performance of mine so I think my mom always knew that oh she actually is a a performer Mm. I know she likes to be a model but there is something in there. And my mom actually tried to inspire me to not kind of, I think my mom didn't even want to inspire. My mom wanted to convince me, which she did in the end, that there was something to happen to me in music. Mm. Um, yeah, so everything started as a model, but I always had this background of music going on, going with my mom to the rehearsals of her band, you know, seeing all of this, being in studio with her. It was just nice. I would, I just loved it. Um, so when I was around 15, I was engaging professionally as a as a, a model. And side by side with it, I was really curious in producing my own tracks and songwriting. So I started doing it to myself, like on on, on my computer, literally for no reason at all. Um, and that started kind of making me click, oh, this is quite cool still too focused on a modeling career because was I was professionally engaging on that. Mm. But there was always a spark. So I was like, yeah, I, I definitely need to to kind of go there as well and try at some point. Um, yeah. And then in school one day when I was about uh, 16, I was singing in the back of, of the, in the, the arts class. I was like doing a painting and singing. I think I sing too loud because I speak really loud. So <laughs> I think I sang really loud as well. And when I... I saw everybody was around me like, what's going on? And I was like, 
so embarrassed. I was like, nothing is going on. And they were like, you're singing really well. Like, I think you should go to the band of the school, to this competition. I was like, no, I was blushing. I hated, I thought, I used to think that singing was so cringe. I don't know why, like nice, but really cringe. And I was like, no, this is cringe. I'm not doing that. They're like, no, seriously, you should consider. And then they kind of made up my mind and they, I made up my mind that they tried to make my mind up and they were like, okay, fine, I'll give it a chance. And we won the competition. No way. Yeah, that moment was the moment that everything switched from for me. And I was like, right. Putting a lot of effort on my modeling career, but you know, in the modeling career back then, you're never enough, never good enough. So I was like putting so much effort and I'm never good enough, but here I just did something with my heart and everybody loved it. I was like, ooh, validation. <laughs> I love that, it's really, it's really natural. I was like, okay, that's something I wanna try. Wow. That's when it started. And was it like a quick decision? Was there any part of you that still wanted to do the modeling? Or what sort of made you go, do you know what? No, 100%, I'm, I'm into performing, I'm into singing, this is my future. Um, I stayed, well, I, I was a, I was a model for a long time and my experiences with modeling gave me the biggest butterfly in the stomach possible. Like I was so in love with the whole career and the idea of being a supermodel, which is something I did not achieve, but that, that was my goal. Um, but music was, was a slow trans transition, but it was so was so much more fulfilling. Mm. I don't know how to explain that. It's just something that felt, as I said, naturally right. So, you know, um, a lot of effort to be a model. Your skin had to be in a certain condition, your smile, um, the way you talk, you had to have etiquette, like, you know, classes. Um, it was really odd. It was really unnatural. And I was always very spontaneous and very legit about who I am. So I was like, hold on, what am I doing? I'm going into something that doesn't really fit who I am. I have to pretend to be someone else to achieve this. And I was like, nah, it's not for me. Music, I was being myself. I was singing things from my heart, experiences of things I was going through, my little breakups with my exes and things like this. So I was like, this is sick because people are liking it. So I would say there was a very smooth transition, um, but at some point it just clicked. And it was when I actually was retaliated by the, the modeling industry because my body started changing. Of course, you know, you go out of puberty and you become a woman. I'm Brazilian, we naturally go curvier, you know, but the patterns back then, the, the fashion patterns, like the body patterns was like European, you know, very lean, skinny. And that is really difficult to achieve in Brazil, apart from a couple of girls that comes from like German backgrounds or Italian backgrounds, which I am Italian, but something went wrong. And I was just like <laughs> full on Brazilian body, like quite curvy. And I remember this very day there was where actually I said, no, I'm not a model anymore. I am a full on musician because music, I would say the music um, saved my life that day. Because I received a call, I was doing a couple of castings. At this point I was already being labeled as a plus size model, which back then was a size 38, 40. Insane. Here in the UK is apply is a, is a size eight, ten, I think. Mm. I'm not wrong. Wow. Insane. And they were putting me in a couple of castings, trying out to see if it would work. And then in the end, I remember that they'd spoken to me and they said, um, "Look, we put you through a couple of castings. I remember just getting home from the castings, and they said, no one liked you because you're too fat.' 
I'm sorry to say that. I know that you're with us for a long time. And I was a very, at this point, I was a very um, successful model. I was going, you know, I was doing Europe, like fashion weeks and all of this fashion tours and stuff. So I was an international model at this point. But my because my body changed about five kilos back then at, the, at that point, they said, there is no more beauty in you. We can't see beauty in you anymore. So we're cutting you off, you out. That was insane. Um, I laugh of desperation, honestly, because I can't. Nowadays, we are so, so much about, in, you know, acceptance and just loving who we are. Um, and I'm all about that. That's what I preach in my songs and stuff. So for me, it was so weird to see someone preaching to me that I was not beautiful anymore. Like there was no beauty in me. Mm -hmm. And that's such a strong thing for you to say to someone. Um, so that's when actually music saved my life because I had a massive break mental breakdown. It's so early in the interview, I'm talking about my mental <laughs> breakdown, but it's okay. I had a massive mental breakdown and I um, went to a very dark place, very dark place. And, you know, I remember the scene of me sitting down, like crying with high heels, you know, I just came back from the casting. So I was pretty much like a model figure. And I was looking at myself in the mirror and hating myself because they just convinced me on a couple of calls that I was gross. And I was like, I just hate myself. And I really thought about ending up, you know, ending up, you know, harming myself. And um, instead of that, when I saw that situation, because I broke, I had like a hysterical moment. I broke the mirror, you know, like that, that was the way I felt of putting out what I was feeling. I was really young. So that whole situation kind of looked like a music video for me. And I was like, I'm not going to harm myself. No, I'm going to write about this. So I remember just like doing this and sitting down on my computer and starting writing my song, Queen of My Mind, which is my debut single from when I signed uh, here in the UK and started my career as Belsavi. Wow. Music literally saved my life that night because I know I would go to a very much, much darker place than I, than I was because it was very painful what I was going through. Now, I just wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to share a quick message with you. Now, I've been hosting these interviews with Inspired by Show for a while now, and I've been loving all of the great feedback from our listeners. And it really means a lot when you all share from listening to these episodes, watching these episodes, share your incredible feedback. And I love that you love it as much as we do. Now, my mission for the Inspired by Show is to inspire others to challenge the norm, share their story, knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable and shock horror, take the mask off and be raw and real. So so I have a favor to ask. Can you help me on this mission by sharing this episode with someone who you think needs to hear this message? Maybe there's a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know that would really benefit from hearing this inspiring story. If you could do that to help us help even more people to challenge the norm and push themselves out of their own comfort zone, then I'd really appreciate it. So if you haven't already, share this episode with a friend, a loved one, a colleague, or someone that you know would benefit. Now, back to the episode. I'm not surprised. And I think a lot of people, I know I can relate to that, where you think you're a certain way. And especially when you're in a lifestyle and a career that is all based on validation, you know, you your whole image is based on, will someone pay for this? Will someone appreciate this? Will someone take photos of this? Like that is your image. And that's where, that's your livelihood. And you've had a passion for it for so long. So when someone sort of tells you no, like, you know, not being beautiful. It's I mean, such a big Those thing. words didn't even come out of someone's mouth. It's horrible. And how, how can you say what is beautiful? There is so many ways of being beautiful. Do you know what I mean? I think that it's just horrible that someone feels entitled enough to say to someone else that that person is not beautiful. That's so strong and so wrong. Mm. So yeah, I, I don't know where I got the resilience to 
just you know get through that situation in such a um an unusual way i don't know what mm. happened to my brain instead of you know i think because i have a lot of self-love i really really love myself so i was like no come on i'm gonna instead of hurting you i'm gonna actually cuddle you and let's put this through what you have your strength which is writing oh let's do it so i started writing there and it's very interesting for me to see um if you have self if you have high how would you say that in english come on um if you have like a high self-esteem and you have self-love in the right way it saves your life because mm. then you don't have you don't let the wrong people come inside of your life you don't let people say what you are or you're not you don't let people you know things and people and environments actually suck out of you the essence of who you are mm. and i think that that's pretty much why i survived that very that very moment and actually i i had this in a joke with my friends and my family and to myself i say that night was the night that i, I was actually born because i was just a a shadow of myself or something you know i was not being myself i was trying to please others mm. and it's horrible to give your whole life in somebody else's hands like don't no 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 mm. so then i kind of took control back to my life and it's, it's cute that's so understand. inspiring <laughs> i, I can really relate actually to the whole giving your life to someone else and thinking you're doing what's right because at the time you don't know it's not right yeah. until you suddenly try this new life and you're like wow how how have I been asleep for so long you know this That's is it. not my this is not what I'm meant to do now obviously you were still in Brazil then before you were a musician so this was in the modeling industry you made that decision tell us what happens between that to then suddenly your debut single in the UK with the song that you wrote going through that dark time oh a lot happened <laughs> oh my god I wish I had like a super cute story to tell you guys but like are you ready because there's a lot of drama honestly if you if you ever watched a telenovela in your life you're about to watch one now <laughs> um, um I have a problem I'm stubborn and when I put something in my mind for you to take it away, oh my God, good luck, you know, you know. So if I put something in my head, I will go all the way. I will bleed for that. And sometimes that's not a very good thing because while I'm maturing and aging, I've been trying to doze it a bit. But well, to the telenovela then, <laughs> um, the moment I saw that I was not being accepted in then, that that was not what I was and I wanted to actually be myself, be 100% that thing that I always believed because back in my 11-year-old me, I was literally, I, I told the story a couple of times, my mom caught me in my room alone. So I come from a little bit of a rough background about, you know, money. We didn't have a lot of money. So I didn't have a lot of toys. I used to play around like cussing magazines and kind of doing storytelling with this and listening to music and acting on the songs. That was my playing, mm. like being an actress <laughs> and a singer stuff. So I was sitting down on the floor with loads of magazines and um, how do you guys call in English the, um, like a cardboard? I don't know if it's... Oh uh, yeah, like... Um, a like paper. A, yeah, yeah. You know, the yeah. ones that you do like collage. Yeah. So I started doing a collage. My mom looked at me and said, what were you doing? What is this all about? I was like, I'm planning my future. <laughs> like a vision board. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 11. And my mom was like, what do you mean you're planning your future? And I was like, um, I'm where I'm going to live, this is the guy I'm going to marry, it was Harry Potter, by the way. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, not anymore. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, that was like, I put Harry Potter there and I put London because I wanted to live in London. And a red carpet, there was a picture of a red carpet thing that I had. So I put there. And 
beautiful models, you know, like on a red carpet and paparazzi and stuff. And I just put it there and I said to my mom, that's, that's, that's where I'm going to go. That's what I'm going to do. And my mom was, but they don't speak your language. Do you know that? I was like, yeah, I know Harry Potter. Harry Potter is, doesn't speak Portuguese. I know he speaks English. Yeah. Okay. And we have English lessons in school, but tiny little, you know, like just, hi, how are you? Books on the table. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I was, my mom was like, I can't afford developing another language on you. Like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to learn it. So I learned English by myself for five, six years. And then I started getting a couple of opportunities as a model, a little bit more like forward to come to London. So I came to London for the first time. I was already engaged in music. So now tidying up to what you asked. <laughs> I know that I went somewhere else. And then I started um, kind of hovering around to see how it would be possible to make this achievable. Because again, not having much money, you come from a third world country to a first world country is very expensive to do that. So I was like, oh my God, how can I do this? Can't do this. No, I can't, I can't, I can't. So a couple of years down the line, I found an opportunity to live in Berlin. They they found uh, interesting. I was doing a, a season with my friends doing like, they, they have a scene, they called underground music scene in Berlin and they accept anyone. So we just kind of toured with these people, it's, it's not paid, you just go and mm. play in places, like kind of open mic nights. And this producer really liked my vocals with this band I was touring. Um, and he said, do you live in Berlin? And I lied, I said, yeah, I live in Berlin. He was like, awesome, because from January, uh, end of January onwards, that was Jen, we want some singers in our production place. Would you like to be one of them? Do you want to come for like a, a casting selection? I was like, yeah. Sure. It was like, oh, it's, it's on the 28th, let's say, of January. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be back in Brazil back then. I was like, oh, can we do a little bit earlier because I'm going to be, you know, I was like, okay. So I don't know how we got it earlier. I was approved. And then I get back. <laughs> now it's when the telenovela starts. <laughs> got back to Brazil. Um, my boyfriend back in time was half German. So he was like, we were living together and stuff. He was like, are you for real that you just want to stop everything? And just go to Berlin. I was like, I need to gain London. Berlin is the place because the cost benefit of life is so good. Mm. You do a good amount of money. You make a good amount of money, but you don't spend as much. Like London's really expensive. So I was like, this is, this is the, that's, that's how I'm going to end up in London. I was like, yeah, I'm coming back to Brazil now and just packing my stuff. Are you coming with me or not? He was like, oh my God, are you joking? It's not that simple. So I started trying to mobilize my family to, you know, Anyone has like 500 pounds, 1,000 pounds, 100 pounds, 50 pounds? No one. My dad, my mom, no one could help me. I was like, how am I going to get the money for even surviving the first months till I can get the visa? And I was like, oh my God, how do I do this? But I'm Italian. I have the Italian citizenship. And I was like, oh, so maybe with my citizenship, I can just, you know, make it work with the, the job. So I went... <laughs> This is crazy. I never told the story. So I went to my godmother and I was like, I have all of these clothes. I called her. I said, all of these clothes that are like from my modeling times. So they are very expensive clothes that they used to, you know, donate us. But they don't, they don't fit anymore because I'm now, I'm a curvy girl. She was like, right. What do you want to do with this? I said, sell it, get the money, convert in euros and go. She was like, oh yeah, very simple to do that here. Okay, I'll try to help you. So this is 28th of, 28th or 27th of July. 
my dad promised me to give me something around 500 euros, oh, five, 5,000 euros to help me go in, you know, the first month until finding a job, like a proper job and plus this production thing. And my dad just gave up. He was like, sorry, I can't. My tickets were played, was, were already booked. <laughs> I know, hold on. I told you guys, telenovela. My tickets were already booked. Um, my ex-boyfriend had already, you know, converted everything he had. He sold his car, all of the stuff, like, to come with me. So I was like, nah, we are going. This is literally two days before my flight. So one day before my flight, so my flight was like 3 o'clock p.m. on the 28th of July. So this is like 7 p.m. one day before. I'm finishing in studio. I was recording some stuff. Got the cash from the work that I did. It was something about 100 euros if converting. <laughs> So I was like, okay, what do we do? I was the clothes. I started crying, called, called my, god, my, god, my godmother and said, can we please sell off my clothes for your neighbors? Because she's really posh. She has like powerful neighbors. She was like, oh my God, bring me the clothes now. Bring me two bottles of champagne and let's do like a, a night of selling out here in my house. Let's, I'm gonna just bring all the madams to do that. And I was like, okay. We did it. We stayed till two o'clock in the morning selling clothes. And that's how I did the 800, you know, euros. No way. <laughs> that was all the money I had. I crossed the ocean like this. Insane. So you came to, you came to Europe because you start, you went to Berlin first. Yeah. You came to Europe giving up everything, selling everything with just 800 euros. Yeah. That's insane. And I was like, it's fine. I'm Italian. So I have the right to work. So, you know, with this production thing, it's a part-time job. I get another job and it's fine. Mm. So it's like, I'm going to be fine. But that's not like this. No. <laughs> it is not like this. Yeah. So, yeah, so money started running out. We didn't find a place to live. Things got completely, like, crazy. But in the end, we sorted out. And once we got our first apartment and he got a job and I got a job and then this everything started working really well. And then... My first song as a songwriter went out in the in Berlin and we done a music video. They invited me. They said, it's so nice. They actually, we want to put you as a feature artist. I was like, you're joking. It was supposed for me to be a ghost, you know, singer. They're like, no, we want you as a feature artist. So that was the first thing I've done. Completely, completely out of what I do. It's like a drum and bass, <laughs> crazy, like... I don't know, like psychedelic song, love it, but nothing to do what I do now. Um, and that's when everything kind of started shaping. Mm, wow. <laughs> After I literally, I don't even, honestly, I don't even, I can't believe that I did the things I did to get hit. But that, that's the beautiful part though, right? Is like, it sounds like you said earlier, like when you're, you're super stubborn and when you have your mind set to something, it takes a lot to change it. Now, I... I'm not like that, to be honest with you. I, I, I wish I was sometimes. I can be, I'm not that stubborn. I'm very good at like convincing myself to change my mind if needed. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had moments where your stubbornness, where you've like, you've struggled or you've doubted it, or maybe it hasn't been as, as strong and easy as you thought it would be? Back at that time, I was a lunatic. Like, <laughs> honestly, I remember days that we barely had what to eat because we had to literally, you know, like this... Because when you get to another country, of course, if you want to do everything right and be legal and do stuff, you have to go through a certain path. Mm. And sometimes it's a vicious cycle. You don't get anywhere. It's like you need this paper to get that paper. But with this document, you can't if you don't have that document. But you don't get that document if you don't get that. That mm. takes ages. So while we were going through this, 
money was running out. And even being European, when you arrive, there is a protocol you have to follow. So this protocol cost us going crazy. So we had to, you know, there was days that we had one meal a day, had to share between us. And because I was with the guy I loved and I was with the purpose of my life and I was believing in it, I didn't care. Wow. So yeah, no, my, my, my stubbornness never made me doubt myself. It's actually insane how driven I am. So I was just like laughing. Oh, I just have one pasta too. Oh, but I'm in Europe. Yay. So I would wow. like run on, go for a run in the middle of the streets, breathing the air saying, I'm in Europe. I'm one step closer to London. I'm happy. Mm. Going through this immense struggle. I had horrible days where I was desperate, was, was, where I was like, I don't want to eat the same pasta every day. And that's what I have to, you know, I want to have a normal meal and I miss my family and I want my job and I want things to get in a path. But I think it's just when you're confident and you're stubborn, don't forget what's stubborn. <laughs> um, I think that it's impossible to kind of cut you from your path. Things mm -hmm. will try, but it's really difficult to actually take you away from it. Yeah. Recently, I kind of got a little, oh, I'm a little bit tired because some stuff, you know, got out of my control and I was like, mm, maybe my stubbornness is not helping me. So yeah, mm -hmm. I had a moment, but back then, poof, nah, nah. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Insane, honestly. Sometimes would, I can't I can't deal with myself. <laughs> would you say it's changed since you've been a musician? So obviously when you mentioned being a model, there were times in that career where you, you know, you felt like you were looking for external validation, which was part of the role. Being a musician is somewhat similar because growing successfully involves other people loving your music. Yeah. Would you say you've changed in that? And what's been the biggest challenge you've experienced as a musician? I think I changed because before it was about, it's basically before, for you to be recognized by the talent of something you're putting out with so much effort and love and passion, you were depending on somebody else from the same side. Mm. Now I depend on people just liking my music. So it's, it's different. Mm. You know, it's like, it's completely different of, I depend on the manager to happen for these people to see me. That's, that's so untrue. Back then was exactly like this. So I depend on the scouter, on the booker, you know, on the client kind of person mm -hmm. that would go to the modeling agency and and, and think that I am the right fit for their brand, for, you know, mm -hmm. for my face to be out there. With my music, it's just, I put my heart out and I believe that it's going to connect to people and people are going to feel embraced by that story and connected and, and wow, this, this, I actually... You know, I sympathize with this. I really, I don't know. It's a little bit of me there. I can mm. connect to it. So it's much more beautiful. Mm. It's natural, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I so much better. Yeah. Music, it's so much better. What's it like in the music industry though? Because I've heard, you know, horror stories of like women in the music industry and what it's like trying to stand out. How, how has it been for you, especially not being from the UK? I have never had any, for example, xenophobic experience, thanks mm -hmm. God. Like I have to say, I'm absolutely obsessed with your country. Like I love your culture, I love you people. Don't love the men that much, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love you people. That's just a joke, I'll always speak about it later. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I love here. It's like mm -hmm. in another life, maybe I was English, I don't know, um, but um, for me, <sighs> The biggest struggle I had here was not even even being an immigrant because I never 
felt that. But being a woman, definitely being a woman, you always kind of have to have a man by your side. You know, your manager maybe or your booker, you know, like your booking agent. Someone has to be a man. I feel I feel that difference still. Mm-hmm. Um, you work with a lot of men as well. So if you don't know how to kind of position yourself, they can take things in a weird way. Like, or sometimes they don't validate what you have to say, or they can go flirty and then you have to cut them off. That happens a lot and is so unpleasant because mm-hmm. I'm very professional and I have a little bit of this like masculine energy in me where, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not flirtatious at all. Like I'm not, I'm, when I'm in the work environment, I'm working and I will not flirt to people just to make them fall in love. Like I, I believe in my talent mm-hmm. and I think that my talent is enough for you to fall in love or not with my art. Um, I'm a nice person. I love making friends, but flirting is not in my league. Mm. So even though you feel vulnerable as a woman of being um, objectified, you always have to kind of hold and be careful to not be objectified or Mm. just put aside or devalidated of what you have to say, you know, it's, Mm. or even abused or Mm. harassed. So yeah, definitely. There is some horror stories. That's, that's true. That's the bit that I I struggle with because it's such a fine line, isn't it? Because a lot of people see any performers, you know, we enjoy your music, we enjoy your presence, like podcast hosts, you know, it's like, how far do you pry, you know? And I can imagine for a lot of performers, I wouldn't be surprised if some women have been felt pressured to flirt, to get further, you know, to cross that line. How have you found that as your experience? You know, you mentioned there about being harassed, being abused. What's that been like from your experience as someone that isn't from here? In the UK, I didn't have that. um, The abuse I didn't have in the UK, like in work, I didn't. People are very cortés with me. Like, I don't know if it's from my posture, so they don't Mm. cross that line. But the harassment, definitely. Um, I had, sorry, I had a couple of situations of, you know, thinking that someone is giving me an opportunity, you know, to produce something or, and then there is always a, oh, shall we grab a, you know, a drink after? And I'm like, honestly, try something new. Do you know what I mean? That's so bad. Why you don't know how to just keep things different? Like, I know that there is people who is going to blame women and say, oh, because nowadays women are this, women are that, but we're individuals. Mm. You know, I'm not you, you're not me. I think it's so complicated to generalize. Mm. I know we'd make jokes and say like, oh my God, all guys are like this or all women like that. But joking is one thing and actually acting on something is another. Mm. And it's it's just, it's vile. Mm. You know, it's really vile. The problem is that because there is some people who actually put themselves in that situation of going there and flirting to have an, you know, an opportunity or objectifying themselves to call more attention. Artists like me that don't do that struggle. Do you know what I mean? There is a struggle there because then, you know, why are you not exposing your body? Like if you go on my Instagram now, you're barely going to see my body being exposed. You'll see sensuality. Mm. That's nice. I like being sensual. I'm Latina. There is a fire in that. I love that. I want to explore it even more, to be fair. I think it's nice. Sensuality is beautiful. We we have the feminine power and that's so beautiful. But there is such a thin line between the sensuality and going to the sexuality and the ultra sexuality and the only fans thing. And, mm. and then because of all of that, women that feel comfortable in being 
in the way I am, for example, not exposing so much. We struggle to be heard and seen mm-hmm. um, and maybe even respected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can I can really imagine. And obviously not as a musician, but as a speaker, I had very similar experiences where similar, not as many women speaking on stages. And so a lot of women would maybe have cleavage out or, and I'm not against any of that, like if that makes them feel happy, but I've never, ever done that. Not because I don't want to, I just don't feel like I need to, you know, and I, I love that some women do, but I agree with you that we have to be careful that we're not setting up a trend. So for example, those that don't have a disadvantage. Yeah. And I think we are already in a trend. Mm. I know few girls that are not on OF or mm doing anything in the same kind of scale uh, a lot of um normal girls like girls that are not even in the entertainment you know girls that are accountants or students they are all literally exposing their bodies on social media like like there is no tomorrow like mm-hmm. it's crazy it's crazy and i feel quite sad to see this because i think the moment that you put yourself like that in this kind of like um objectified position it's difficult for you to be heard by your ideas because unfortunately we are in a we are in a society that still is extremely misogynist misogynistic Mm -hmm. is that how you say yeah um so if you go out there with you know massive boobs out Mm. if it's not the right place for you to be like this i think you're not you're gonna it's gonna be so much more difficult for you to be heard and and you know and seen yeah your boobs are gonna be seen your boobs gonna literally enter the room before you yeah and maybe you're not gonna enter with it just is gonna stay in the boobs yeah and that's horrendous like in my opinion my career um just like oversharing an idea i think it's beautiful like britney spears for example she was super sexual back in the 2000s outrageous christina Aguilera, outrageous but they were inside of their art mm not you know on their do you know what i mean mm-hmm. do you know where i'm going to like not walking down the streets in that same mm-hmm. way i don't know i don't know if you know what i mean nowadays yeah. i see that this hypersexuality turned into a trend and instead of empowering us in my humble opinion is taking the power away from us because we're not being seen anymore as you know respectful mm-hmm. unfortunately society is seeing us even more as like crazy little rebel girls they are loving showing boobs out Mm. like yeah I couldn't agree with you more and I think the way I always look at it is it depends on what you want to be known for right so if you want to be in the line of work where you are like a lingerie model for example or you are you know selling your body in a career that makes you happy Mm -hmm. then why should people not do that but where I struggle similar to what you said is when they're same musicians they want to be known for their music but instead of being known for their music they're being known for their body You know, and it's for me, it's about building a brand. Like, what do you want people to say behind your back? Are they saying, well, her boobs look great? Or are they saying, oh, my God, didn't wasn't her song incredible? You know, that's the difference. I think that that's one of the things I love the most. Like, I'm always very careful of how I position my product. I do think I can be more sensual and explore more my femininity. Mm. I think I'm very like, oh, you know, no showing my body (laughs) and stuff. Like, I think that that's a little bit. I could go a little bit further and I, I'm, I'm starting to feel more comfortable to do so. Um, but what you said is so true. Like if you don't balance this and if you don't know what you are and where you're positioning it, you just get lost. Mm. You know, it's like 
you're just going to be seen like that. And you know something funny? A lot of girls think that they are rocking because they are, you know, showing their bums on bikinis out there mm -hmm. on Snapchat, Instagram, everything. I have a lot of uh, male friends. And when I talk to them about it, none of them would have a relationship with any of these girls. Mm. Uh, they would love seeing the videos for sure. I'm pretty sure of that. But none of them would step up and say, oh, yeah, I would I would date an OnlyFans girl. Mm. Uh, OnlyFans girl. And I was like, yeah, that, that's what I mean. You have to kind of be careful where you step in. And once again, my music, I, I speak a lot about women empowerment and, and self-empowerment, which doesn't matter your, your, your gender. And I think the moment you are putting yourself in that situation, you're kind of losing your own power. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a great fan of mm. OF and this type of stuff. I think that actually, it would be so good if it disappeared, <laughs> basically, because, yeah, I think we were, we were so much more powerful when we were not showing our bodies to call attention. Yeah. And actually, we were using our voice and mm. our femininity. Mm, yeah and I think it comes back down to what you shared earlier about when you're a model and you know someone's saying you know to take the beauty like I don't see beauty in you I think the more we put our bodies out there the more we put our image out there we are opening ourselves up we are actually saying hey you can comment on what I look like because I'm t giving you a platform for it and there's a bloody comments box you know what more can we ask for so yeah. I'm curious from your perspective have you found that putting yourself out there has attracted more attention, whether it's to, to your body, to your music. How has the negative feedback been as well as the positive? Um, the moment, as you said, the moment you put yourself out there and you have something to say that is too strong or you, you know that it's going to be controversial to some people because it's impossible to please everybody. We are different. You are susceptible to seeing all of this happening. I had retaliation more in the fact of me saying things like what I just said. Like, oh, so you think that girls on OnlyFans are sluts or something like this, you know what I mean? Like I had retaliation more about some stuff I say than actually how I look because I never stepped in there yet. Mm. I never done something super sexual or outrageous that people would feel uncomfortable and say, oh my, what's, what's she doing, do you know what I mean? Mm. So I didn't have anything happening in there. But definitely I had, you know, a little bit of retaliation. Like the other day I posted a video in Portuguese for the Brazilian community and I was making a joke um, about Englishmen because one of my like main goals since I left Brazil was like, oh, I want to marry an English guy. Obsessed because of Harry Potter probably and Colin Firth and Hugh Grant being absolutely incredible. So I was like, I want an Englishman. And then I came here and I didn't find that specific type of Englishman that, you know, Hollywood kind of bring to us. It's, it's a lie. It's different. You guys are different. And then I made a joke and I was like, oh, it kind of broke my heart because they are not the way I, you know, I wanted a guy that was like quite gentleman, you know, I had the whole chivalry. Is that, is that chivalry, yeah, you say? Yeah. And stuff. And like, I don't find it here. It's different. And... um. It's, it's just different. It's not it's lagging off. Mm. You know, I, I, and my boyfriend is an Englishman and I love him, but it's just different of what was portrayed. And um, I had a lot of retaliation because people didn't understand at first it was a, a joke. And there was a lot of people, it was not English people who retaliated, by the way. It was actually foreigns. It was people who was uh, Portuguese uh, native speakers. And there was a lot of retaliation being like, oh, probably you just 
met guys like this because that's what you deserve because of do you know what I mean <laughs> and I was like I just made a joke I didn't even actually said anything bad um mm. so it's really complicated retaliation is there for you and it's mm. natural that you're gonna have I think it's up to you to know how to deal with it I thought it was funny because mm. in the opposite hand I had a lot of girls saying yes I came to the UK didn't find my prince too oh I left Brazil thinking that they would be so gentlemen and so obsessed with you know all this love story and they are not they are about lads and going to the pub you know and stuff <laughs> like this and um so it's kind of funny you know it's mm. it's just funny it's cute if I'm in your culture I have to learn about your culture mm. and it's a cute process it's nice for me it's nice it gives me a little thrill mm. to be part of it um yeah. So, fuck the retaliation. I don't really care, to <laughs> yeah. be fair. It's part of it. Yeah. Um, I have a friend of mine, David Lee Brent, incredible person, producer, that he always said, if, you know, if you're not being hated, you're not being famous. Mm. Not famous enough. So, I kind of feel happy to be hated a little bit. Yeah. A, a little bit, because I don't want to be hated. I want to inspire people and connect. But it was nice to see that I was bringing something controversial enough to poke people a little yeah, bit yeah yeah <laughs> just a little bit no, just a little bit yeah exactly and it's yeah. true though because people talk about who they love and hate you know there's a yeah. fine line as we all know one of the things that I experienced and I'm sort of curious to see from someone who's in a different performing arts to me if you've had the same thing because we are quite similar in character like both very fiery both very out there both very determined both very opinionated as we've joked about love off that. camera <laughs> um one of the things I experienced when I started going into the speaking world was that the more confident I got, some men, some women, but only men or masculine energy, they were trying to bring me down. So the more I would get strong, the stronger the people were trying to bring me down. And I mean, I've had it where, um, I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast before, but um, I remember coming off stage once and I had a queue of people coming for me to sign the copies of my book and like come and like take photos with me. It was really, really amazing. And one guy actually came over and said, congratulations, and then slapped my ass. What? In front of the whole audience, right? You there that did this to her. You're <laughs> so, so lucky. She's not Brazilian. <laughs> oh my God. If it was me, you would see. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't even know what would happen. Yeah. Well, the professionalism wow. I had to have. And in shock, to be honest. But the reason I'm saying that is because I think this what I've horrible. reflected, it was a few years ago and I've kind of, I've learned a lot. And I think everything we experience is a lesson for a future story or way of inspiring people. But what I was curious to see is, have you ever experienced it where, because you are so, you know, and that might be part of your Brazilian, your Latina, or it might just be your confidence. Have you ever had it that because you're so confident, you attract people that are almost like trying to bring you down and trying to like control you or keep that down? I love this question, honestly. I have to say, I'm such a big fan of this woman. <laughs> it's so good the way that she does that. Um, right, can I do in two parts? Sure. So basically, I think that is in two different ways. Let's put in a in a, a social aspect. Um, no, I actually think I kind of terrorize men a bit. No, you know, um, you see a lot of looks. People don't get to talk to me. My friends say that I, I just make them scared. So I don't know why. <laughs> like I'm friendly, but I think that's because I'm quite confident and I'm just... As I told you, I'm not flirtatious. I'm not the type of girl that you're going to be sitting somewhere with a boyfriend or without a boyfriend. I'm not going to be sitting somewhere and doing, do you know what I mean? No, mm -hmm. I'm in myself, for myself, with myself. So it's like I'm minding my business, basically. So I think that that, that doesn't attract the wrong guys, mm -hmm. you, you know. Another thing I think about this is, is your own energy. 
your own energy. So there is this thing I saw in the internet the other day. A guy was saying that he knew two very beautiful girls um, from university when, you know, they were in school together. They went out together. And one of the girls, equally beautiful, equally stunning, was hit on by all this kind of like weird mm -hmm. guys, very, very, you know, scummy guys. The other one, equally beautiful, that didn't have one single person approaching her in the same night. And he was wondering why, but he knew why. The background of this girl's word, the girl that was being hit on by all this trash, trashy men was a girl that was not really healed. She was not in her own thing. She was having trouble. She was having problems. She was not fulfilled with herself. She was needing validation. And so she was very beautiful and confident, but she was still having some broken pieces. Whether the other girl that no one was hitting on was 100% fulfilled and happy with herself and she was in the moment, the best moment of her life. So I think that it's pretty much what you attract a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, not always, of course, but mm -hmm. it's pretty much what you are giving out. Like, you know, you give something and people kind of get it. This is in a social spectrum, I would say. In relationships, it's different. A lot of my partners were controllers and definitely had a little problem with me being escalating quite fast mm. yeah that so you see how it's different mm. i think that out there no i don't attract the you know the weird situations to me what well sometimes you know because there are some people that are completely bonkers but mm. and in, in 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 relationships yeah um another thing i saw on the internet loved it i love seeing these videos of you know um psychological stuff and just psychology in general. And this guy was saying that the biggest vi uh, the victim, vi how could victim? Victims, thank you. My English just broke, guys, <laughs> in front of the camera. The victims, the biggest victims for narcissists are women. They are successful, empowered, um, you know, communicative, strong. They like that. Because mm. for them, it's thrilling to get someone like this and break them in the middle and put them into pieces. That's when they get strong. So women like you and me, mm. we are on the target of narcissist guys for relationships. And sometimes they are very good, very good at what they're doing. So you don't you don't think they are narcissists because the narcissists do that. They go slightly into, you know, they go, oh, there is a little brick on the wall here. Doof. Mm. Oh, another brick here. A little, oh, this one is a little bit out of place. Let me go in this, in, this little inch here. When you see your walls down and you're on the floor and they left you with nothing. Mm. And the strong women like us is the ones that they like the most, apparently, seeing all these videos I saw. So, yeah, mm. it's, really diff it's really different. The social part of things work and the intimate part of things. Like It's like you attract different type of people. It's mm. crazy. And what experience have you had with that then? Yeah, I did. I did have an experience, you know, of um, an abusive relationship, um, a person that didn't understand that I was growing really fast in my career, you know, and um, that I wanted something and felt in competition with me, really, really put me down a lot. You're not that good. This is not happening. This is not real. This is not... This is an illusion. Oh, this is actually not that big. This is because of this, not because of that. You know, um, just kind of retaliating me and putting me down in every single possible way. So, so I couldn't believe in myself anymore. Gaslighting is the most dangerous thing you could ever, ever have in your life. Like gaslighting is 
gross. And sometimes you gaslight and you just have to kind of like, oh, whoa, what am I doing? Because this can actually hurt the person so much. And one of the biggest tricks that narcissist people has have is gaslighting. Mm -hmm. That's when they start getting your head. Um, yeah, I think that it's it's really complicated to be in, a, in an abusive relationship. Let's just clarify that people think that abuse is punching and, you know, and taking blood out of yourself. Like, no, abuse is gaslighting, is putting you down, is diminishing you, is cheating, is betraying your trust, is uh, verbal abuse, I think is the worst. Mm. You know, calling you names and putting you down, making you doubt of yourself, doubt of your, how beautiful you are, the way you dress, mm. the color of your hair, the nature of where you come from. I have, re I had retaliation in situations of like, oh, you're so loud, you're Brazilian. I fucking hate it. Jesus Christ, stop talking. It's too much. Things like this. So got to a point that I started not wanting to be me. I was, you know, scared of speaking my language in front of the person and feeling uncomfortable of being myself, which if you go out there, there's a lot of guys that think is really sexy. You know? So it's really weird. It's one of them. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, so, yeah, being in an abusive relationship can bring, can bring you down in pieces. And sometimes, sometimes it can end up really bad. Mm. So it's you have to kind of get the red flags and the warning signs while you can, the more you procrastinate it, the more you pretend you're not seeing, the more you are away from the door mm. to actually get out of it. Because once you're in and he, and the narcissist aids your head, mm. you, you actually, yeah, you, you're fucked basically. Sorry, but mm. you are, you know, yeah. there is not much of a way out. Um, yeah. Do you know how a do you know what a narcissist do to you? The way that they they eat your mind. Mm. Um, another thing I saw on the internet that's really interesting because I actually just wrote a whole album about this. Um, as a thing, it's going to be my new album. It's all going to be about this relationship I've been through and all this wow. this tormentor I've been through. But basically, a narcissist they act like a drug inside of you, so they give you a lot boost you with dopamine which is the love bombing phase oh you're amazing you're incredible you're the hottest i don't look at anyone i'm following all the girls don't care it's just you 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 gifts chocolates expensive dinners i don't know going out to paris together all of this you know what i mean it goes 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 and it's out of the blue and when they see you are in they take it out they take it completely off you and then you're like where is this dopamine that i was feeling where is all of this wait hold on where is it where what what and then your body just craves for that again because you start going down and your body is chemically desperate to get it back where is the source of it oh it's him and then you are clingy and needy and you're his mm. and he possesses you and there is a whole cycle that goes up and down on this forever mm. till you can break it but sometimes you can't even break it mm. yeah. that's why i'm writing the, the album that I am writing, I'm finishing now. We are in the last two songs um, because I'm going to tell the whole trajectory so I can make more people aware in a in a light way because it's a very heavy subject to talk about. So mm -hmm. I will bring my art to kind of try to show people how to get out of this whole 
situation of going in the relationship with a narcissist and then getting out of it to a point that you can be standing on your feet again and being capable of being in another relationship, you know, happy, healthy and doing other stuff. Mm. So, wow. So inspiring. Thank you so much. First of all, feeling open enough to bring it here because I know that (laughs) I know it's not always. Wow. I know it's not always easy to bring such personal things, but I think it's so beautiful that you're using that into your music now to help other people. I think I've never personally experienced a narcissistic romantic relationship. I have experienced multiple narcissistic professional relationships where it's the same thing. You don't really look for it. And I think the hardest part of being around narcissists is that a lot of the time you don't know that you're being love bombed. You don't know that you're being like going through gaslighting. You don't know any of that. And what I experienced is that similar to you mentioned before, you know, that person's telling you you're not good enough, but then everybody outside of that relationship, whatever type of relationship is telling you how great you are. So you're like, you get all the strength back outside of the room and you're like, actually, I am great. I am strong. And then you go with that energy into the narcissistic person. And then they're like, no, no, you're not smack bang down again and it's kind of that constant seesaw of oh it's horrible am i great am i not great am i great am i not great and what mood are they going to be in how how am I, what reaction am i going to get and it, it it can become such a whirlwind for people like us like you said very strong independent people attract them more and so you kind of almost feel so uncertain because we're strong and independent we know how to fix things we know how to do things we're we're independent oh, and they so want to like, take it away from us exactly they 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 need to put us in an inv- inv- invalid position. It's like, mm. why is she so incredible? Why she can do so many things? Why is she so outspoken, so fierce, and so part? No, 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 no. Bitch, you're not. Do you know what I mean? Let me get mm. it out of you because I'm gonna feel the thrill of my life putting you laying on the floor. Do you mm. know what I mean? That that's that's how they feel. I feel sorry for them. I'm not saying this to look good on camera. I feel sorry for yeah, them because narcissists, they actually come from such a background of trauma and, and devalidation and rejection that they just become this thing where they create a fantasy that they are the center of everything that is out there existent. Mm. And um, if they see something that shines more than them, they need to they need to tone it down. No, no, tone it down. Mm. It's quite sad because I feel really one of the things that give me pleasure the most, apart from eating, so I love food, <laughs> is actually helping people. I just have a massive rush of endor- endorphin when I have it. That's why I, I write my songs, you know, with so many quite interesting and, and, and um, complicated subjects, you know, because I try to bring it to a light side because mm-hmm. my music's pop. So instead of talking about put your bottles up and let's twerk, which I have a lot of other amazing artists already doing, (laughs) I'll leave it to them. I try to bring this weird, you know, um, sensitive, dark things to the light Mm. side of things. So people can kind of realize and say, oh, hold on. For example, I have a song called Lucy. It's my song that's going to come out in a couple of weeks. It's my first uh, song of this album. And Lucy, it's a song that talks about the narcissist. And it's a very light, poppy, strong, fierce, kind of irreverent song. Like, I love it because I start the song saying, I'm blessed with your darkness and I'm tempted, lost in your eyes. I'm screaming louder and louder, babe, I'm losing my mind. Sunday to Sunday, I'm praying to leave this behind. But all my scenes are my emotions, so get me out of here. And then I, I change from this desperation to say to him, oh yeah, cry, cry. I love the way you make me cry. I make you cry while I'm just sing- sitting in the back seat seeing you crash your life. 
So misery is here saying hi for you, babe, and it's all my fault. So she's saying, you're in misery now because you can't have me. I'm out. Mm. But look what you did for me. Like it's a whole process. So it's a very fun way, light way to show the process of how it is to be completely destroyed by a narcissist person that could actually end with your life to try to illuminate people. So they're like, oh wait, I feel like this to be fair. That, that sounds my, like my boyfriend. Mm. People tend to listen to things more when it's light. Definitely. If I look at you and say, look, I saw your boyfriend treating you. He's been abusive to you. I think you're in a narcissistic, like abusive relationship. You're going to block and say, oh, I'm going to Sunday roast now. Bye, love. Speak later. Because that's how it is. So that's yeah. why I'm trying to kind of, you know, wow. share all of this in a nice way. Hopefully it works. <laughs> so beautiful, though. And that's exactly the point, though. When people are listening, they're more likely to listen and go, hold on. Those two, three things... I, and they might even be singing them because they'll be listening to the song and then they'll be like, actually, I have that. You yeah, know? That's my boyfriend. That's my girlfriend. Girls, yeah. Let's make or it any, very clear. Any relationship, yeah. Doesn't matter gender. Yeah. There's a lot of girls that do the same with boys. Yeah. I know stories. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the beautiful thing that you're going to open up people's eyes to. I'm scared. Just, really? Yeah. Opening up about this is scary. Thrilling, but scary. What What part of it scares you? Exposure and vulnerability in the in a in the world where there is a lot, a lot of people they are very evil, and I know they are. There is people out there that are really really bad, and they are just waiting for someone to be there for their their, their new, you know, kind of um, punch back. Mm. And you know, I, I'm looking recognition with my, my my you know I would like to be famous, but not to be famous. I think that fame would come as a, a proof that it's working. You're, you know, I'm, I'm successful. So I would love to one day get very, very recognized by what I do. And I know that with this recognition, it's going to be retaliation as well. And even more if it goes through something like this, a purpose like that, that I'm trying to bring to the entertainment. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I am, yeah, I'm definitely... Just scared of the vulnerability and the 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 dark people out there that you know mm. could try to reach me. You won't though. <laughs> I will stay. I'll stay in a light, mm. basically, trying my best. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so inspiring. Though is often what I've experienced. The more vulnerable you are, the more inspiring you are, and I think that will be incredible to to people that need it, whether they know they need it or not. And I think that's why I'm just so excited to continue to watch you on your journey Thank and just you. see what what incredible waves you're making now. We're almost out of time. I feel like we could talk so much more. <laughs> we'll have to have you back on the show now. Please. I'm yes, curious. Please. Um, What's next for you? Obviously, you've had some massive goals. You've been really stubborn. Album, new album. You know, I know recently you've been working some with some big stars, yeah. you know. Um, people like Alone Star Chris and Brown. Chris Brown. Like... I can't believe it. I just released a song with Chris Brown um, about, I released a song with Chris Brown about eight, ten days ago. Mm. It's going really well. And it's opening insane doors. Yeah. And I'm, independently of anything, of course, that I'm happy with the consequences of it because that, that's what we do, isn't it? We put it out there to get, mm. to kind of, you know, get our little consequences of it to go to the next level but having him singing with my voice on top of his voice I was like what's going on <laughs> is I this used, me <laughs> I used to listen to him when I was as little as when I was doing the you know the whole 
um, how did you, you call the, the collage thing you said? Vision board. Vision board. I used to listen to him on the radio and now I have a yeah. song with him. So it was honestly yeah. like a dream, a dream. So you didn't quite tick the Harry Potter, but you ticked the Chris Brown. So we'll, yeah. we'll go with that. We'll go with that. I still that. have to tick the Britney, Spe Britney Spears because Britney and Gaga are my two biggest inspirations. And mm. I want to have a song where Britney wrote it with me. I know that she's out and she's completely out of the entertainment. So I know I'm, I will not be able to get a song with her. But one day I hope I can get her writing a song with me or, you know, or maybe, yeah, doing something like you that. You really don't know. Like people come back all the time, you know, money runs out. Oh, who knows? <laughs> you just Isn't never it? know. So it'd be great. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Amazing. Um, I think that what's coming next is this vulnerable side of me is out is going to be out there now to be seen. Um, my dad died two years ago, COVID. And with his, with this stuff and the abusive relationship and all this stuff, all the struggles I've been through, I matured a lot as an artist, as a person, of course, obviously, because you have to mature, isn't it? If you don't go through the good things, you have to go through pain. So, but my art matured a lot. And I think that before my art was very like, oh yeah, kind of, yeah, fierce and yeah, but that was it. Now I'm literally putting my face out there and saying, this is me. Or you like it or you don't. I would love you to like it. Mm. Come with me in the journey or just, you know, just don't. Mm. And um, I'm going to be sharing all of this. And I'm excited because they are different chapters. So it goes through a lot of different bell savvies, a lot of different me's. Um, you know, the, the pain of losing my dad and then having to create strength to come out of that. I don't know how. And put this in, again in my career, in, in my music. And, you know, my biggest therapy therapist is my music, as I always say. And um, I think that me and her, the music we are doing is a girl, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we are doing an excellent job with our therapy because I think I feel prepared to now share with others mm. to try to help others. If I can't help someone, Jesus, that's so entitled, but I want to try to inspire and yeah. And just, yeah, just make it, make the world a better place if yeah. possible. Well, you've heart. inspired us so much today. <laughs> Thank Asabi. you so I'm much. I'm so grateful to have you on the show. Thank now, final so question, which we ask all our guests. Who do you know who has an inspiring story that you think we should have on the show next? Oh, wow. Hold on. I have a friend of mine. Um, her name is Swelling Carey. She's a transgender woman here in the UK, immigrant. She is insanely inspiring. Because her and her sister are both transgender women in here, struggling, trying to get alive. And they are amazing um, social media influencers. They are very, very good content creators. They have a good relevance, like 200,000 followers and stuff. They are viral with the Brazilian community. But I don't know if she speaks English enough mm. to be speaking everything in, in, in an interview. But she is so inspiring. Oh, my God, she would be a, ma a lovely one for you. Well, you never know. We might be able to make it happen. Yeah. Thank you so really, much. really, really, really fiery. Yeah. That's yeah. an incredible suggestion. And and I think it would be amazing to have such an inspiring story. She is. She yeah. is incredible. Okay. Definitely. I think you should poke her and say, do you think you should you could do it in English and stuff? Because <laughs> she does speak English. Yeah. I just don't know if she would um, feel comfortable in doing all of the, yeah. the thing in English. Well, let's wait and see. Well, 
Thank you so much, Balsavi. It's been so great having you. Thank I you. am so excited for your future and sharing so much vulnerability. I genuinely believe it's going to inspire so many people. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No thank problem. You. Well, guys, that was such an inspiring episode. Isn't Balsavi just one of the most incredible human beings? Love her fire, love her energy, and even more her vulnerability. So if you haven't already, make sure you share in the comments. If you are watching on YouTube, What's been the most inspiring part of this episode? What are you going to do differently as a result of that? I'm super in excited to hear about that. And obviously, if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms or you're watching on YouTube and you haven't already subscribed, why not? Make sure you hit that subscribe button, follow us so that you don't miss our next inspiring guest. I'll see you next week. Beep, beep.